Hello, everyone, and welcome. Thank you very much for coming to this Institute for Government and Policy at Manchester event on the topic, how can the government help build strong local institutions to reduce regional inequalities? I'm Tom Pope, the Deputy Chief Economist at the Institute for Government. Um, and we're delighted, as I said, to be uh, sponsoring, uh, to be working on this event with Policy at Manchester, who are the University of Manchester's Policy Engagement Institutes. Um, a key plank of, of Labour's plans to increase growth outside London and the South East um, is further devolution of powers across England. And I think we might be hearing more about that in the leader's speech later today. Um, and that means devolving powers to areas that don't currently have mayors and expanding powers in, in those city regions too. But for devolution to deliver stronger economies, um, local institutions need to have the right capacity and skills and the right structures to make good policy decisions. And the Labour Policy Forum that was uh, with information released over the weekends commits to working with unions and local leaders to build up local analytical capacity and suggests that places will get more powers when they have demonstrated, and I quote, consistent and exemplary capacities and accountability structures. So this question of how to build up uh, lo local institutions is clearly a key part of the Labour Party's plans. And some of the questions we'll be looking at today are, how should a lo la Labour government approach building local capacity in institutions like combined and local authorities? How should that affect decisions over how to expand the evolution? And what can we learn from the areas that have the most capacity um, and how they've made use of other local institutions like universities to, to further bolster that, that local capacity? Um, these are some key questions we have today. Um, we have a stellar panel to discuss this, albeit somewhat different from the panel that was advertised. Uh, so to my right is Professor Andy Westwood, um, who is a Professor of Government Practice and Vice Dean of Humanities at the University of Manchester. To my left is Dr Fiona Aldridge, who's the Head of Insight at West Midlands Combined Authority, uh, one of the two combined authorities uh, that agree the trailblazer devolution deal uh, with more responsibilities recently with the government. Uh, to my left, uh, further left, is Akash Pound, who's Programme Director for Devolution at the Institute for Government. In about 10 to 15 minutes, we're also going to be joined by Bev Craig, who's the leader of Manchester City Council and the economy lead on Greater Manchester Combined Authority, um, the other of the combined authorities to have been offered a trailblazer devolution deal. Um, and later on in events, we're also going to be joined by Annalise Dodds, uh, MP, Chair of the Labour Party, and uh, one of the commissioners on the Brown Commission that obviously majored on devolution last year. Um, a bit of housekeeping just before we start. We'll be live tweeting using the hashtag IFGCon23. Um, we're going to have some opening remarks um, from each of our panellists. I'm then going to go quite quickly to questions from the floor um, because Annalise is going to join for the, the latter part of the event and I want to hear, hear from her at that point. So do be thinking already of your questions. Uh, when, when the time comes, please wait for the mic to come to you and please say who you are and where you're from so we know who we're speaking to today. And with that, uh, we can get on to the main event. And Andy, I'll start with you. Um, I know you've been thinking a lot about um, sort of themes related to levelling up and local government capacity um, in your work. How would you characterise the current capacity of local government and what should a Labour government, uh, how should a Labour government be approaching devolution to ensure it can be built up? Um, well, thanks, and uh, thanks for um, uh, putting on today's uh, discussion about these things. It's um, it's 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 a really important, though can can easily get very technical debate about kind of what you do with institutions at the local level, and and the the, the absolute sort of 
most important lesson for for labor and for anybody actually is that is that, is that strong local institutions matter and that without decent capacity in those strong local institutions all of our ideas about decentralizing decision making taking back control bills you know whatever all of it runs into sand very very quickly and so so the, the the policy challenge is how do you how do you build strong local institutions over the long term now it it, it sounds it sounds easy to do but in practice in england we're absolutely terrible at doing it so what we what we end up doing is 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 getting pulled into this incredible kind of process of policy and institutional churn where uh, new institutions are created every every year or so uh, new initiatives are kind of given to uh, these institutions to deliver and, and you end up with the opposite of stability, certainty and kind of strength at the local level. Now, the, the great thing about, uh, one of the many great things about Fiona being here is that, is that uh, uh, West Midlands Combined Authority and the Greater Manchester Combined Authority have now been in place for seven or eight years. Now, in, in local government, local regional government in England, that is a long time. And, and both combined authorities have been able to build capacity and expertise, including hiring people like Fiona to kind of deliver on skills devolution and many other things. Um, so so, so it, it gives institutions time to build up capacity and expertise to actually deliver the stuff that we want local institutions to run. But, but resisting the sort of policy churn and volatility is is uh, has been particularly hard for us to do, and that that actually has been true across Labour governments as well as uh, as well as uh, uh, more recent Conservative governments. And so it might be one area amongst amongst others that that we don't necessarily want to look to the Blair and Brown era as a kind of a, as a, as a template for how to deal with it, because you know we churned through lots of different institutions at the regional and local level. Uh, during uh, during the kind of time of the last Labour government, although it, in fairness it hasn't been quite as bad uh, as it has in the last four or five years under under successive Conservative regimes. So you know if you just if you just look at if you just look at the last sort of couple of years, well the last couple of weeks even, um, we've seen obviously the kind of huge churn in things like uh, infrastructure policy, in net zero policy. But if you get into the detail of, of uh, regional and local institutions, we've seen the creation of uh, new town boards. All of this is only a year after a 300-page levelling up white paper, of course. But we've seen the creation of new, new town boards, which, uh, according to Rishi Sunak, are going to drag the economic model away from cities to towns, whilst at the same time running uh, a, a rebaked innovation zone policy which is going to kind of focus R&D investment in cities. So not only do we have this kind of churning policy, we have these institutions that are kind of in competition with each other and creating all sorts of challenges for those institutions that have to get their heads around it and actually deliver the stuff. So, um, so, so that's, that, that's kind of where we are. I, I, I'll finish on a sort of positive note, which is that... Um, Across, across uh, the last sort of seven years of, of uh, combined authorities in, in England and, the, and their introduction kind of under the Osborne and Cameron regime and looking forward for the next kind of five or ten years, it really does feel like there is some stability in the institutional process. Combined authorities feel like they're here to stay. 
Mansfield like that. Don't jinx it, Andy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Famous last words. Famous last words. Um, but um, you know, it feels with we can look forward over the next decade with some certainty that these are going to be the, the institutions that we can kind of centre all sorts of uh, uh, policy change onto, and the kind of trailblazers are a part of that. And it's not it's not just the institutional form, the kind of the raft of powers. If you if you actually look in detail about in, in, into the trailblazer deals, and you look at the kinds of powers that Labour are talking about granting to more places, they're very very similar indeed, actually. And and I'm here to say that's a good thing. It's a good thing that that, that continuity might be a feature of uh, local and regional governments in England when it, when not having that continuity has been the biggest problem that we've faced probably over the last twenty or thirty years. So. I'll stop there. Brilliant. Thanks, Andy. A really good summary of where we've been and some of the challenges we've had and maybe a bit of optimism for the future as well. Akash, your work at IFG is focused on combined authorities in particular. You recently published work on how to approach sort of new deals in new places and how to build up capacity there. So how do you think Labour should approach devolution in a way that ensures that new and existing combined authorities are ready to take on those new functions? Yeah, thanks, Tom, and uh, yeah, great to be here. Um, and to follow Andy and very much agree with your call for stability, continuity, and structures and policy, that that, that would certainly be welcome, I think. Um, so, I mean, I thought what I would do is address your question, but it, within the specific context of what we're starting to learn um, about what Labour might do on, on devolution on this agenda um, if, it, if it comes into power. And as you say, we'll probably get quite a bit more clarity, hopefully uh, later today, uh, or maybe maybe we won't, but um, it's certainly a, becoming quite a, a, quite a key theme, I think, in, in, in Labour's um, developing, grow, uh, evolving policy offer that, that, that it will turn into its manifesto. Um, so, I'm just going to go through a few sort of specific elements of that and, and, and reflect on, on what I think the challenges might be in, in, in getting that right. So, first of all, we heard um, yesterday, in fact, on, on this panel, we had Paula Barker, who's the uh, shadow minister for devolution uh, in Angela Rayner's team. And she uh, emphasised that Labour would be, if it came to power, I quote, resolutely committed to completing the map of English devolution. So... Um, implication there is there would be a big effort by an incoming government to extending devolution, which thus far has been primarily about um, mayoral combined authorities in city regions, a lot of which are like Greater Manchester, Liverpool City Region, some of the other ones, relatively well-defined functional economic areas in the jargon, um, areas on uh, where, where there's a kind of clear economic and, and, and institutional rationale for devolving at that level. A lot of the rest of the country is not going to be that simple. The, the low-hanging fruit, uh, the relatively easy Devo deals have been done. And I, and I think um, it will take a long time to, uh, to develop effective institutions, not just in, in, in a lot of these places where, there's, where there isn't much history of working across local authority boundaries and not an obvious geography on which to do that. And that'll take time, not just in terms of the kind of hard capacity questions, bringing in people, um, experts like Fiona to run devolved systems um, and, and, and building up the capacity, but also it's about building the, 
the institution in a softer sense, building a culture of joint working at a regional scale, culture of collaboration among local leaders who are used to just being their own local champion, not part of a team operating at that larger strategic scale. That, that is not easy to do. And we've, we've seen how that can go wrong in, in some of the existing um, combined authority areas when deals have been rushed through or pushed enforced uh, upon kind of reluctant places where there's very weak local support. Um, some of the combined authorities have been quite dysfunctional as a result without getting into the details. So yeah, I think it's, it's welcome to see that commitment, but um, it won't be easy. Uh, and and, and yeah, it'll be a sort of long process probably. Um, so that's one thing. We've also heard quite a few mentions, well, right the way back to January this year, I think when it was first mentioned of Take Back Control Bill, Take Back Control Act, that would be a centerpiece of an incoming Labour government's first King's speech. Um, we don't yet know a huge amount about it. I think it, that TBC Act is sort of aptly named. <laughs> Most of the details are TBC. But um, I mean, the idea seems to be to move towards something more systematic, comprehensive, create a, a clearer framework through which uh, places can bid to draw down powers from Whitehall in a more consistent way. Um, and I think in principle that would be welcome because what we've seen is, you know, the deal-making approach to devolution um, is, is delivered some useful powers to local leaders and so on. Hi, Bev. <laughs> um, but the, the process is, is often just driven by political discretionary decision-making in Whitehall, deals being done with particular areas for political reasons, so on. Um, we've ended up with deals that are very, you know, different powers, powers varying, not often for kind of obvious uh, reasons. So if we move to something more principle driven, uh, where there's a right for places to bid and draw down powers that are uh, devolved elsewhere, um, and at least to get a response, um, from from the centre and based on a set of clear criteria about you know building up the capacity, developing the the vision for what you're going to do with those powers, setting out the accountability framework and so on. Um, I think that would be better than what we had now, which is which is quite opaque and and as I say, um, often just subject to sort of political calculations. So those seem to be some of the kind of key things that that Labour's talking about. As I say, there's a lot of detail uh, still to come. Um, I will probably leave it there because I think that, that there's a lot more on the specific powers and funding reform and so on that we might want to get into through the rest of the conversation. But yeah, thanks. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Akash. Fiona, I'm interested in how your experience with WMCA chimes with what you've heard so far. Yes, thank you. Um, so just want to echo um, everything that my colleagues have said around the table. Um, I think one of the things that I'm really conscious of is that if devolution is going to deliver on some of these big agendas, then we need to be realistic about how long that takes and how complex it is to address some of the persistent challenges we face around inequality. Um, so for devolution to deliver, we need to make sure that our devolved agencies have the right levers and the right resources. I spend quite a lot of time working on devolved skills. It's amazing how much um, people think skills is the answer. Now, I'm very committed to skills. 
I think it's the answer to many things. But if you want to get someone into jobs, there needs to be good jobs too. And there needs to be good transport to get people to the jobs. And they need to have secure housing and they need to have good mental health. And what we need to do is make sure that we don't devolve the responsibility to sort out persistent issues without the resources and the levers to be able to do that. Now, back to this discussion, absolutely, as Andy said, strong local institutions matter. Um, we don't have in many parts of the country strong local institutions. We're a very centralised country and therefore the strength um, is often in those central institutions. Um, and so if this is something we are going to commit to, we have to commit on the long term and we have to commit to building the capacity and the capability in each of our um, areas. And that will take time and take resource. It is really important that it does. I do um, believe that it will bear fruit um, but it, it is a long-term challenge and not a quick fix. <clears throat> Just thinking about our own experience of that, I think there's some uh, really important ingredients at a national level too. So the importance of having a clear and stable policy position for the long term. You can only respond at a local level in a local institution if you have a clear vision, if you have sustainable funding and flexible funding to be able to um, use that to address the issue. Absolutely against stronger accountabilities, no one's suggesting that there shouldn't be, but the flexibility to meet those accountabilities to deliver them. And the flexibility as well to think about how you deploy that funding in a way that supports collaboration. So if we're going to tackle these persistent issues, we need to come together different parts of the system to address them. And too often our funding streams and our policy uh, keeps us separate and keeps us competing against each other. So one of the, the challenges that we're thinking um, at the West Midlands Combined Authority as we look at our funding is what is our role in building capacity and capability both within ourselves, but within our partners, within the organisations that deliver for us and, and who see their agendas sometimes as being very disparate. And we all need to think about what is our shared vision um, together. Leadership, our political leaders, our organisational leaders are absolutely key. And, and we are really fortunate in, in many parts of our region to have leaders who are focused on place rather than party. Um, and that is really, really important, especially in an area like the West Midlands, where um, we have a mix of parties in our local authorities and our MPs um, and obviously a variety of leaders across different institutions. Um, and we've tried really hard to bring together a range of stakeholders to co-develop, to co-design, to think about our own contribution and our own role and to see where we can align um, that together. What works against that is when we try to do that uh, really well and then something gets dropped in, something, you know, an extra bit of helpful funding, except it's not that helpful because it comes with a, um, a different set of expectations. Um, so we've worked hard as a combined authority to be able to um, think about our own vision for the region as well with um, our broader set of stakeholders to understand the challenge of the region, to understand where we would like our region to be and to understand what works um, in taking us there. I think we, um, you talked about six or seven years, still feel quite young, I think. I absolutely do hope that government uh, centrally doesn't um, 
kind of break it all up again and start again because I really do think that that developing that capacity and capability for the long run is about that incremental improvement and that stability and that clarity. Um, I'm very excited um, about the potential um, of this afternoon's speech to think about a further devolution and what that might involve but certainly an investment in the capability and capacity of local organisations to deliver that is, is going to be an important component. Great, thank you. Fiona, I think it is really striking how we, we think about combined authorities as quite established institutions when yeah. six, six or seven years really is not very long. Um, but if I could come to you, Manchester is often held up as a, you know, a bastion of strong local institutions. I suppose you know, there was something there quite a long time before the formal mm. combined authority. Mm. So I wonder if you have any reflections on, on this question from that perspective. Um, yeah, so, so I think from, from my perspective, obviously, um, afternoon everybody, I'm the leader of Manchester City Council and... Um, the style of, of governance that we have in Greater Manchester, like other combined authorities, I suppose is less in the vein of the American mayoral system and more in the vein of having a really strong, effective captain of a football team. And I think if you think about government in that sense, what we've been able to build in terms of collaboration means that you're able to move quicker with the powers that you have. So if you think Greater Manchester's history goes all the way back to the Association of Greater Manchester Authorities. So we've been working as the 10 local councils um, for, I mean, predating my time, of course, but since the 1980s on having a shared coherent plan. Um, and a lot of that focuses around um, the benefits of having a clear economic geography as well. So being able to have a place that makes sense to citizens in a way that they can see it. And that doesn't mean that you can't be from Oldham and be proud to be from Oldham or be from Wigan and be proud to be from Wigan, but it does mean that you can understand that in a city region why you would be put together with another area. And I think when we think about the future as to how we, a Labour government could cut through some of the patchwork quilts that exists around governance in this country, thinking about the primacy of place in that question is really important. So thinking about... Um, not just how people identify themselves in a place, but if you to take the principle of devolution of subsidiarity to its heart, where you're devolving down to the lowest possible level, you need to bear in mind not just where you think people live on the basis of local boundaries, but where they think they live. Mm -hmm. um, and I think in Greater Manchester, it's been um, really important that we've been able to tell that story. I think, though, when we think about strong institutions and the capacity to deliver, so obviously Greater Manchester has been at the forefront alongside um, the likes of West Midlands with our trailblazer negotiations. Um, and, and let's be honest, we've managed to um, achieve the greatest level and the deepest level of devolution in England um, since discussions around the London Mayor some time ago. But what we have is still much less than across all of Europe and most of the Western world. We still live in a heavily centralised country that even what we have in GM's trailblazer doesn't come close um, to the powers, the tools and the resource that we need to make our places thrive. So we talk a lot about what we got in, in the trailblazer negotiations. We don't talk so much about what we didn't get and that's the challenge for the next Labour government that we will be taking up that conversation. But if you think about establishing the point of devolution to make decisions closer to communities. You think about what we have in the trailblazer. Um, it won't have escaped people's no notice that we for a long time talked about public transport and buses um, in Greater Manchester. So to be able to get the beginnings of the control of a system where time and time again, residents tell us they want good, effective, strong local public networks that get them where they need to go. 
Welcome to have escaped your attention with a little to do, shall we say, about this country's inability to plan in the long term in real investment. Um, but I'll leave that for another conversation. But also around housing and skills. And I think picking up on your point around skills not being the answer to every exam question that's set. Um, in Greater Manchester, in the city of Manchester, a city that is still sadly the sixth most deprived um, local authority in the country, the most deprived area of Greater Manchester, an area where shamefully 44% of our kids live in poverty. The skills discussion starts in the first thousand days of a kid's life. By the age of four, their life outcomes and life chances have generally already been set if you don't intervene. So taking a life cycle approach to skills not just the reforming of a, a system post-16, the two go hand in hand. And Manchester's economic successes have been because we've been able to do both. We've been able to attract new talent, keep graduates, but also to be able to invest in our own residents to start to do well. So the final thing that, that I just want to reflect on, on when we talk about institutions, um, and there's a risk um, that in the excitement of devolution, we get ourselves very overexcited about combined authorities. Um, and there are these other things called councils that still exist. Um, and in reality, finding a system that makes the two work hand in hand is important. Yeah. But we can't talk about the success, for example, that we've seen in Greater Manchester around the devolution of a single settlement deal if we don't talk about the fact, um, as a council, I've had the equivalent of £428 million taken from my budget each year since 2010. So we talk about capacity to deliver. Capacity comes in more than one place. And we just need to make sure that we talk about institutions in the round. We're having mature, grown-up conversations that speak to all of the challenges that we face. Great. Thanks very much, Bev. And I think on, on that point about local capacity, particularly in councils, I thought it was really interesting to see the... Uh, national policy forum commit to you know, think explicitly thinking about how to build local analytical capacity. And Fiona, I'm interested in, in your perspective. What what do you think a Labour government could do there? What what would be the sort of interventions that would be most impactful to build some of that analytical capacity? Thank you. So, so my background is in research, and as I moved from a national job to a regional job, I was absolutely shocked how little access to data the combined authority and our local authorities have. And I think actually in this day and age, we need to be much better at you know, not even getting to the ability to analyse, but the ability to even see and connect the data around our residents. And actually, we've often taught, actually, if Tesco were in charge of the West Midlands, we'd have really good access to data and we'd know how to drive services from it. But as government is um, uh, in charge of many of those services, we don't. So I think that's really important. And I think we need to think very carefully about what we do at a national level um, and what we do at a regional level and local level. But being able to make best use of the data we have and connect it between services will be really important in understanding what the solutions are. There isn't going to be lots of new money for things. And so it's more important than ever that we understand what works and invest that money well. And, and Andy, what role do you think universities can play? Because that's an, another feature of the Manchester model is the way that universities have sort of worked with, worked with other local institutions too. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the, the institutional question isn't just about public institutions in, in uh, local government terms. It is about um, a, a raft of institutions that come together in a place, and I think I think universities are, a, are, are an obvious example of that. And uh, in in the West Midlands, Fiona has, has worked with uh, um, City Ready, which is part of uh, Birmingham University, and has kind of been a big resource. I think now employs about thirty people, 
all very much kind of focused on what what happens at, at the city and the city region level and lots of kind of interchanging between staff in the combined authority and and uh, uh, and city ready and and in, in perhaps in a slightly more informal way that that's pretty much how we've worked in manchester too so um uh, lots of lots of lots of us including me have, have done work on on uh, uh, particular agendas that, that both the mayor has set up. So when he ran, a, uh, when Andy Burnham ran a, a, the Greater Manchester Inequalities Commission, I served on that and we provided analytical capacity for that. But also to, to, to speak to Bev's very important point about local authorities, we've also worked very closely with individual local authorities within Greater Manchester, both both Manchester and, and um, Oldham, where we did a, a kind of year-long economic review uh, so, so it, it is about kind of using, using, thinking about other institutions and using them and working out ways so that you can kind of combine resources and analytical capability. Um, that does require kind of uh, quite a lot of coordination back in the centre hmm. because, you know, universities are dictated to in the same way that uh, local government is dictated to. And, uh, and, and some, sometimes I think we still need... Uh, like everything else, we've got a bit of a way to go to make sure that that's a priority for universities. Uh, and, uh, and and I think I think where, where that really, really happens, and the guy who spent kind of so much time trying to make this happen, of course, was Bob Kerslake when he ran the Civic Universities Commission, one of the many brilliant things he did. Um, and, and I think I, I think actually there's a there's a fantastic kind of potential for partnership between between not just universities but kind of colleges too, going back to skills. But also private sector institutions, voluntary sector institutions, and thinking, thinking in the round and using kind of convening power to make sure that that happens. But universities, it, it absolutely should be part of our core mission to do this stuff. Thanks very much. Before Annalisa arrives, I'm keen to do a first round of questions. So please do raise your hands if you have them. We have uh, one lady in the front row down here, and then we'll go to the gentleman over there. Thank you. Uh, my name is Jan Seb and uh, I'm a Labour member and I work for Promona Economics and I'm also a former councillor. So really pleased to hear the points about the local authority because I think one of the things that really worries me in terms of the future is about the future of local authorities, particularly from a funding point of view. Um, I think it's a bit of a ticking time bomb and I don't hear anyone talking about it. Um, and the other thing on a funding point of view is the government governments in recent times have been doing more sort of prize pot funding and that worries me that it's going to feed a two-tier system and just essentially lead to greater inequality so I don't know I think my question is is there anything you can say to reassure me about the future I know it's a tough one but yeah uh, thank you great thank you very much and then the gentleman on the far side white uh, thank you Mike Barnes from Calderdale um, I think it's very hard to find the real problems with this government, but the bidding war that it's brought about within local government, I, I think, was ranked one of the highest. Hmm. Calderdale is less than 10% of the West Yorkshire combined authority. Uh, it is small. How can we ensure that we embed place within combined authorities? Because let's be honest with you, Tracy Brabin isn't going to win a, isn't going to be re-elected by, by appeasing 10% of the uh, potential 10%. So how can we ensure place is embedded within the structure and we are not fighting other larger authorities for a equitable share of the pot? Great, thank you. And then was there a question next to you as well? 
Hi, good afternoon. Uh, Mark Orry from Street Games. We're fortunate to work with both the West Midlands and Greater Manchester on sport for children who suffer the greatest inequalities. I was really struck by what Fiona was saying about the kinds of sustainable and flexible funding, funding to encourage collaboration, capacity, capability. For me, the most important local institutions are the ones in neighbourhoods working with our families and our children who need, whose need is the greatest. How do we ensure that if we get what we want, that's then reflected in the way that local authorities and combined authorities work with the voluntary sector and civic society? Great, thank you very much. I think we have one more question down here. This is here. Hi, uh, my name is Sarah Allen. I'm Director of Policy at Shore Trust. My question is about the role of social finance, which is why I was keen to ask it, because um, I think there's a build out. Do you see there, there's a role for social finance alongside devolved budgets? And assuming you do, uh, how can we avoid impact investing being a kind of top down paternalistic solution and instead um, make it possible for all local people regardless of the level of social capital, to participate in the fundraising and then the decision about how to use the money. Great, thank you very much. So we have four great questions there. One on the future of local government funding, um, the much maligned begging bowl culture of competitive pots. Um, <laughs> question two about how can we embed um, place in combined authorities? There's one way of thinking about that question is how do we ensure that combined authorities aren't just replicating the way central government makes decisions in their places. Um, then a question about the role of neighbourhood institutions um, and then social finance. Um, I'll start with Bev. Feel free to take, not not take all of them. <laughs> yeah, I'd be here for days if you asked me to answer four questions. <laughs> not known for my brevity. Um, so, so I think I think on um, it's easy if you ask any council leader how they feel about the current system um, around finance, and I think rather than um, being angry, I'll give you an example. So um, I've been leader of Manchester Council for nearly two years now. This time last year, it was brilliant. I got to open um, the first public park in Manchester City Centre for 100 years. 6.5 acres, cost £23 million, funded through a mixture of investment, council funding and some national grant funding. As a new leader, obviously you're very excited. This is brilliant, you want press releases, really proud that you've delivered a park get back um, to the office and I get an email from government saying congratulations you've won a park and well this is it's excellent so I'll get to build my second park this is really fantastic and um, we'd bid it into a pot to be able to get money for, for a new park and here it was coming through so Mayfield the park that I just opened it cost 23 million pounds to build my funding that was awarded for my new park was left less than £50,000. And that was a competitive process. We talk a lot about the levelling up bits, but actually this is endemic throughout every department that exists in government. And I think the real challenge isn't just the totality of the spend, which, believe me, local government will be making those representations consistently. But it's also about how we spend it and where we spend it. And I think when you hear people at like Angela Rayner talking about funding on the basis of need, that shows you the direction that Labour government will take that conversation. And I think that's why single settlements are so important, because you pull from across, not just the local government um, or the housing funder, but you pull from the different bits of government that stops the initiatives that come up that put each other against each other. Um, I think I'd also say just more broadly um, around the role for place 
Um, and, and using the Calderdale example actually is really important because um, that's someone's primacy of place. That's the area that they identify with. But you might feel at times like a small cog um, in a bigger wheel. So I'd say there's two things. The first is having a plan for every place within a combined authority area um, and recognising the investment that it needs, but also the strengths that it brings. Um, but the second point really is being able to clearly articulate why you need each other. So one of the things that we always get in Greater Manchester, and it would be easy, it's a bit like the UK and London sometimes, um, around do you need the city centre for the rest of the city region to do well? For my residents in North Manchester, I need Middleton, Oldham, Rochdale, Bury. I need all of those places to be doing well, to improve their lives, to give them better places and better opportunities. So I think how you tell your story of your connection into place helps the case when you're making the argument for the funding that has to flow through as well. Great, thank you very much, Bev. I thought that was pretty brief. Uh, Akash. Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, I also wanted to pick up on the questions around um, funding reform and whether, a Labour whether and how an incoming Labour government would actually go ahead with its, its um, commitment to move towards longer term or stable funding beyond the, the, the bidding culture. Um, and I think it's it's absolutely right that that is the aspiration. Um, it's worth, of course, noting Michael Gove absolutely diagnosed that as a central problem with how government works at the moment and struggled to make noticeable pro progress with that. And I don't think that's because Michael Gove uh, was being disingenuous or didn't believe in that. What that speaks to is to to move towards something more like single pot, single settlement funding and make a reality of that. Devolution has to be a cross-government, cross-cabinet commitment across, you know, involving a number of key departments. And that absolutely will need discipline and um, continued um, commitment to making these reforms from the centre, meaning from number 10 and, and the Treasury. Um, so I don't know the answer to, to, to this, but um, I'm not sure that we know quite for certain how central of a priority this sort of reform will be for, let's say, the incoming expected Chancellor Rachel Reeves. We'll find out a bit more about the leader later. Um, but even if you have some of the other you know, secretaries of state um, keen to, to make these kinds of reform, yeah, a lot of this does come down to centre of government and that's what we've learned. If I could just a little bit, I'm not sure we should be letting Michael Gove off the hook quite so easily on this front. Um, and, and look, he's, he's been a big proponent of devolution, but I suppose this, this gets to the nub of the challenge of when you have a real honest conversation around what devolution means. And, and look, you know, the Labour, a Labour government coming in would have been fighting for power for 13 years to give it away, for someone else to get the praise when things go wrong, and for them to get the blame, sorry, for someone to get the praise when things go right, and for them to get the blame when things go wrong. So I think we have to re really be quite honest that there are some politics in here that we need to be able to navigate. And I think on, on the Gove point, I would just say it was within um, his guidance and his directorate that many of those initiatives were launched. So I think we need to be careful um, that just because someone exercises regret at the end doesn't mean they're entirely absolved from the process that they created. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Fiona, any, any thoughts on neighbourhood institutions or social finance or any of the other things? 
Um, some really good questions there that I'm not, not sure I have all the answers for those. I think one of the things we're really mindful of as a combined authority is not just to become another layer of government. Mm. And actually, if you live in parts of, say, the black country, then um, decisions made in an office in Birmingham can feel as distant as decisions made in Westminster. And we have to avoid that. Um, so I think Bev's point about having really good sense of place, your vision for a place and a plan for it um, is really important because when those, um, I like those surprise, that term surprise pop funding, when they come in, you don't want to be scrambling around by about what to do and where's the loudest voice and where can you throw the money. You want a clear sense of what we want to do with this place and our places within place and our communities within places so that as that money comes together, we can really think strategically about what we want to spend that money. As we're going into our planning for a single settlement, to some extent, we are thinking about, we expect to get this amount of money, how would we spend it? But we're also starting the other end and saying, what are our ambitions for this area? And that's collectively, not just the combined authority, but collectively. And what would it take to address it? And doing it that way around as well. So we're not just thinking about how we'd spend the money we've got, but what we would really need to transform that place. And it will take much more than public funding. So we need to think about how we use public funding really well and you use that to lever private investment and social investment as well. Great. Thank you very much. Andy, anything to add to those points? Yeah, I, I just, I, I mean, I think, it, I think it's a, a really important set of issues. I mean, I mean, and it makes me the, the local authority point is absolutely central to it. And, and I think it's easy it's easy to go down a road where you you end up doing exactly the opposite of <laughs> of this and, and concentrating power in mayors and combined authorities because you know that's that's the the economic level you want to work with. But I think I think the I mean what what's most interesting I think about about both the GM and the West Midland model. Um, and, and it makes it hard, <laughs> is is that it is a kind of more than the sum of the parts model. You, you know, you've got you've got each local authority kind of leads on a particular area. You've got kind of you know you've got a constant need to sew together the the kind of identities and needs of places in order to get kind of policy delivered in places. And and I think that's a you know that that's actually a good thing. In in other labour regions, that there are kind of mayors saying, "I hate that. I don't want to have to kind of persuade all my colleagues that this is the right thing to do." But I, I think it's actually one of the virtues of of the GM model and the West Midland model to to work in exactly that way because it binds in a future and a well funded future for local authorities as well as as well as combined authorities. But I think I think the 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 only other real real thing to say, which is to echo the Michael Gove point. Which is that uh, you know he, he he spent three hundred pages saying I'm going to end the begging bowl culture, and then kind of issued a whole bunch of new competitions uh, for new pots of funds, uh, which sort of continued it. So we've got to shake ourselves out of that. And if if the Labour government does one thing, it's kind of moving from those competitions to the sort of single pot type arrangements, both at the local authority and the combined authority uh, level. Thanks, Andy. As Bev said, there is a real political challenge there because it, it requires a politician to say, actually, I'm not just going to go and uh, cut the ribbon on this new thing. I'm going to give it to local leaders and make it their decision. Well, we're delighted to be joined by Annalise and, and so that she she's not just speaking without knowing what the previous 40 minutes we've been discussing. I'm going to ask each of the panellists just to briefly, in, in less than a minute, 
Please, Beth. Uh, just, just, just summarize maybe the, the, the key point you think has been made so far, far today. <clears throat> you'd want Annalise to understand from the discussion before she, oh. she speaks to it. Oh, right, because you're honest me. Um, so, kind of, I guess point number one, how we do gov government matters just as much as what we do with government. Um, and actually having a collaborative system um, that binds in uh, combined authorities, local authorities, and work with the centre is really important. Um, not losing the primacy of place in some of that and the constant commitment of making decisions at the lowest possible level. Uh, we've touched a bit on council funding and the joys that it brings. Um, and we've also reflected, I think, on the challenge that we've all got to make sure that we can um, fairly fund all of our areas on the basis of need, um, not just fancy pots of money. Brilliant, Bev. Thank you. Akash. Um, sure. So, um, well, you picked up on the end of the, the conversation we we're having about, about funding reform and, and, and um, that being really important nuts for an incoming Labour government to, to try and uh, crack. Um, I mean, some of the earlier points I'll just quickly mention. Um, I mean, I think the, the commitments we've heard to creating a clearer statutory framework for, for devolution, albeit we haven't, don't know much of the detail yet, but in principle, I think that's welcome, having a more consistent, principle-driven approach with a, with a transparent process through which it is decided which powers can be devolved to, to what level um, and, and, and sort of what the criteria are by which those decisions are being made. So, yeah, I would just flag that one, I think. And Fiona? Yeah, so uh, we talked about for, if devolution is going to help deliver on some of those big challenges, then we need to make sure the right levers uh, resource to the right level um, are devolved, but that devolution takes place within a, a clear and stable and sustainable policy platforms. And we all know what we're doing. We're resourced well to do that. Absolutely, there's accountability, but flexibility to use resources um, to meet those outcomes. Uh, that local institutions do matter, but we really need to resource for the long term the capacity and capability for local institutions because a centralised policy to date um, hasn't enabled us to do that. In fact, all we've learned to do at a local level is learn to manage on less and kind of respond very quickly to short-term funding pots. If we want something different, we have to do something different. Mm. Anything you'd like to add to that, Andy? Uh, building strong local institutions and long-term policy stability, good. Uh, policy and institutional churn and begging bowl culture, bad. Thanks, Andy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> will I just say I agree with all of that? <laughs> um, uh, but, but it sounds like it's been a really fruitful discussion and sorry that I only came in at the end, but it was lovely to be asked to come in at the end because I think these issues are so important for us as a Labour Party. Um, I mean, I obviously have discussed this agenda a lot with, with Nez Kalaskan, who's now our LGA Labour leader, and obviously with our brilliant colleagues in local government like, like Bev. And really what we are very aware of is if we are going to have that longer term approach to policy making and then policy delivery, if we do get into governments, that kind of mission driven approach that Keir Starmer has set out, that is ultimately absolutely founded on partnership with local authorities, with metro mayors, with uh, those different communities that we've been talking about, it really is absolutely fundamental. There's no single mission that doesn't rely on not just, and I want to be clear here, not just delivery functions, not about that. It is about ultimately uh, having those policy, um, uh, shared policy 
uh, commitments from the beginning and, and working on them together um, and really getting the benefit from uh, that genuine partnership. Um, I'm really pleased that uh, people are welcoming the, the measures in the Take Back Control um, Act proposals that, that we set out. Of course, that was under Lisa Nandy, but Angela's very committed uh, to that agenda as well. Um, and of course, they come out of our Commission on the UK's Future, which may have been touched on before, but which I think set out very clearly the, the evidence base for why we want to make these changes as well as uh, offering that menu of ways in which you could do it and clearly we're we're kind of setting that out now um uh, on the the issue about um uh, funding which is so critical and and you know bev's absolutely um right to focus on it um, I'm sure that you've heard us describing it as, as this before it's kind of like a hunger game style contest sometimes between different areas where there's pots of money extraordinarily inefficient. I mean, the amount of valued officers' time to be bidding in, um, very unpredictable and so short term. I mean, some of them, you can barely get people in to actually deliver what the commitments are for, between, you know, and then, and then that program's finished. You know, not having proper valuation as well at the end, not really learning from this, not tying it into other sources of funding. We've got to get beyond that. And that is why we want to have that much more joined up uh, approach. And, I suppose just the kind of two final points I would make is that this can't be just about devolving pain. So I think we've had a heck of a lot of devolving pain and not devolving any gain. Um, you know, when uh, Conservative-led governments um, uh, were so kind as to say to local authorities, oh, we're going to give you the marvellous gift of being able to deliver the social fund on your own or being able to deliver council tax relief on your own. But when they then slash the funds to be able to do that, that is not actually about local control at all. That's about trying to uh, protect very vulnerable people, but with a, an absolutely slashed pot uh, uh, to be able to try and do that. So um, that's not what we're, what we're interested in. We're not just about um, devolving pain and then putting local councillors and local leaders at the front line of, of those horrible uh, decisions. Um, uh, it's about something very, very different. And I suppose just finally, um, we are trying to model the kind of behaviour that we then want to see um, in the future if we are to have a Labour government right now. So um, we're really trying to make sure, you know, uh, whether it's myself and my team around women and equalities issues, where it's been great to have lots of discussions with uh, with Bev and her colleagues in the past, but or whether it's others um, uh, on the Labour front bench, we're wanting to work together and also with our, our Metro mayors. And we've had a couple of really good summits actually with the Labour Metro mayors talking about those kind of shared agendas and we want to continue that relationship in the future. Um, I think there's been too much division around this and the kind of apogee of that was during the COVID period where you saw again local authorities, Metro mayors effectively being treated as political footballs rather than saying from the beginning how can we bring people in and I think actually the Welsh Labour government the way that they had that continuous contact with local authorities of all political stripes really indicates how you can do this properly and actually achieve huge amount for communities at the same time with sometimes fewer resources as well. Brilliant, thanks very much, Annalise. And, and definitely some of those, those patterns really feed into whether and how local government can actually have necessary capacity at, at a local level and uh, all, all really critical issues. I think we have time for one more round of questions. Um, so I go to the two gentlemen uh, there. Um, Hello, hi, Annalisa. I, I'm Charlie Hicks. I'm a, a county councillor in Oxfordshire, in Oxford East as well. So, hi, nice to see you. Um, and I, I'm interested, I suppose, in, in two things about local government devolution. 
One is the integration of land use and transport policy. We've seen in Oxfordshire our strategic planning fall apart because it's only currently sort of voluntary between uh, district and county councils of all different colours, fundamental differences of opinions on housing numbers, and it's fallen apart. London has retained its strategic planning powers and is doing much more, and it can integrate it with a transport body. So I, you know, I would love to see a transport for Oxfordshire that, that sits at the same level as strategic planning that we can do stuff on the same kind of scale as Greater Manchester or London. So the, that's the first question. And then the second one relates to fiscal devolution. There's been lots of discussions uh, around fiscal rules and, and Rachel Reeves' uh, position on that, uh, but also discussions about, well, if we're going to raise more money or raise money differently in a fairer way, um, what can we look at in terms of other levers that we can pull in tax? And I'm curious to bring in the, uh, the spotlight onto the possibility of fiscal uh, devolution with that uh, and looking to other European countries. And I wondered if there's any uh, thoughts on that topic too. Thanks. Great. Thanks very much. Jack? Thank you very much. Uh, Jack Shaw, IPPR. Fiona, you mentioned about the government's unwillingness to share data with the West Mids. Can you give us a sense of how or whether that's undermined your ability to make decisions and the impact of that and perhaps some examples of data that you would like to have from government. And second question, if I may, very cheeky, it's four questions here. <laughs> West Midton and Greater Manchester have now secured um, Trailblazer deals. Over the next couple of uh, years, and Bev, you alluded to this, you said that Greater Manchester didn't get everything they asked for. Over the next couple of years, are you looking for more powers, more funding, more decision-making upstream with government, or perhaps applying those existing powers, maybe a combination of those or something else entirely? Thank you. Great. Thanks, Jan. And one more question in the front row. Hello, I'm Robert McLaren from Policy Connect. Um, my question is about um, employment support, um, something that's... Um, been fairly uh, centrally delivered to date, and what do you think the prospects are for genuinely um, local and devolved employment support, including uh, reform of uh, Job Centre Plus? Great, thanks very much. So I think in the end we have five questions there. <laughs> uh, the integration of land use and transport, it's actually perhaps specifically in Oxfordshire. Uh, the potential for fiscal devolution, a nice small bombshell to throw into the mm -hmm. conversation with five minutes to go. Uh, some specific questions around data sharing and then questions about where next for West Midlands and Greater Manchester, and finally the question of employment support. Annalise, I'll start with you. Feel free not to take all of those. <laughs> um, so uh, thank you for being the, the Oxford voice, which, which is brilliant, Charlie, excellent uh, county councillor for us. Um, I mean, I, I think that, you know, any incoming government, if they wish to, uh, would potentially decide that they wanted to engage in a lot of institutional re-engineering. I don't think that is the position that um, you know, if Labour was lucky enough to um, enter government that we would be in, actually. I think we're in too much of a hurry. I don't think that we can be waiting around this. Um, uh, and so we need to, I think, go with what we've got. But what we do need to be working on, I think, is how we kind of fill in um, that uh, important kind of principle of community consent that obviously we've set out that we want to make sure is brought in at a much earlier stage of the process when it comes to planning and how that can engage local authorities, make sure that there is uh, um, also, I would say, integration with, for example, water, transport, uh, electricity, which is a big, big issue in, in areas like, like ours, but also in the east of England and some other parts of the country as well. Um, on fiscal devolution, um, uh, I, you know, obviously kind of Rachel set out her position here. I suppose I would, I would just kind of 
make one little kind of riff off of what Agar said here as well. Um, these issues are fundamentally political. They, they always are. And I think, you know, both in terms of revenue raising, but then also in terms of revenue retention as well. I mean, you know, Germany has spent decades uh, talking about essentially how much smoothing you need to have in relation to kind of localized revenue raising and use. Um, that is something that is always going to be contentious, I think. So I guess what I'm saying is there's no, there's no silver bullet, right? This is, this is about distributional issues that need to have ultimately a, a political answer. And then finally, on um, employment support, yes, absolutely. Um, uh, both uh, John Ashworth previously and now Liz Kendall really want to see far more integration between the kind of job centre um, a, a whole set of functions, um, the NHS locally, uh, local employers, skills providers, you know, obviously we've set out some policy around that. And I would just say on that, there's some quite interesting um, work that's going on in a couple of pilots at the moment that demonstrates how you can look at community facilities and community assets and use some of them as the physical home for some of this on high street, which I think is, is quite exciting actually. And then working in partnership with business and other organizations, like I said. Great, thanks very much, Annalise. Andy. Um, well, let me try and I'm going to pick two of those. <laughs> uh, but but I'll, I'll pick two difficult ones. So, so the fiscal devolution one, I think it, you, you can do it in Oxfordshire because Oxfordshire is pretty well off. The problem is most of the rest of the country isn't. And so, um, you, you know, there, there is a problem in kind of devolving a lack of <laughs> tax raising capability rather than baking in kind of that inequality yeah. rather than uh, um, rather than kind of taking back more control over your own tax receipts. That said, I think, you know, going back to the discussion about capacity, in the long term, some, some kind of steps towards retaining some tax in places and kind of being responsible and accountable for it does help build capacity for the longer term. And so some small steps, actually, I think are probably quite helpful in that. Um, but that's a long term. That is a, a long term plan for a you know whatever whatever put in your slogan as as uh, as necessary for that. The 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 second thing I want to talk about, which is Jack's question, which we, I, I think the Trailblazer deals are really cool because they start to turn turn the relationship around. And up to now, kind of, and and I think I think kind of, you know, all political parties have been a bit guilty of this, which is. You know, we're going to we're going to keep going with devolution, but it's from it's from our central menu of stuff. And you can do adult skills, you can do a bit of housing, you can do a bit of, you know, but that's all you're going to do. It's our vision of what you need to operate. The trailblazers begin to change that, and that they begin from both differently from the West Midlands and Greater Manchester. People have said we want to do this thing, and we want to kind of take the lead on this strategy. And I think this is this is the really exciting thing because if you look at like place-based policy in Germany or the US, you know they are leading in industrial strategy, place-based industrial strategy. So then you start to have conversations between mayors and you know and and Ed Miliband or Johnny Reynolds, and 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 it, and it becomes a really dynamic relationship where places are leading national policy rather than just delivering national policy. And, and I think that we're on the cusp of that. And I think probably Labour probably need a little push <laughs> to get into that. But but the trailblazers feel like kind of, you know, we're, we're definitely going in that direction. Great. Bev, what do you think about these questions? Um, so so I, th I think integrated um, spatial planning 
is vitally important, particularly if you just set your tone for the next decade and what you want to achieve in your area. We've got it in GM. We're about to reach the final bit of the hurdle with places for everyone. Um, but that's a 10 to 15 year strategy around the number of homes and jobs that we're going to create and where we're going to create them. And I think that's really important if you do both properly plan and have a sensible kind of localised economic strategy for how you get there over the next 10 to 15 years. So really important. Um, Jack, on, on your question, sounds like there could be a little um, bit of analysis coming out for IPPR around some of these questions to help us grapple um, with some of it. I think if I think about some of the things that we could do even better, um, and I think some of it feeds into the question around employment and support. So in Greater Manchester for a long time, we've done things like working well. We know what we can do to connect our people into the skills market and into the labour market in a way that helps them overcome some of the barriers that they've had. Current mechanisms currently wouldn't let us anywhere near DWP and some of that employment support. And it goes hand in hand to the skills system. I'll end on an example. If we want to do a skills boot camp, and loads of people aren't coming, they're not signing up in the levels that you want them to do. And you ask the question, well, why aren't you coming to this free course? And they can't afford the bus fare and they're coming because there's no lunch. But you know that if you give them the money for the bus fare and you pay for the lunch, DWP will be down your throats and theirs, um, penalising them for that. So there's things in the system that are quite easy to change, that we could change. And it's in that practical vein that local areas know best what their population needs. And that's the future of what you advocate for in devolution. Great, thanks very much, Bev. I know you've got to run off. We're just going to hear final thoughts from Fiona and Akash briefly, if possible. Fiona, I know you may have thoughts on both data sharing and employment support. Yeah, data is one of those things that doesn't sound very interesting, but is such a driver of this. If we are really going to change a position in a local area, we need to both understand it and understand the impact that we're having. And I'm not sure it's unwillingness. Some of it's an ability and some of it is a lack of recognition of just how important this is. So we spend a lot of time manually trying to each keep data separately. And by not sharing it, we're spending our resource on that data being kept manually rather than and collecting it many times rather than really understanding our issues and being able to put some of that money at the front line. Our young needs is a perfect example of this. We are tracking them at various different points. There are two bits of data, both within DFE, that if we put together would really help us address um, our understand and address our need issue. They are both within the same government department. They are neither together nor shared with us on the ground. It could make a massive difference. And although it doesn't sound very interesting and it's not a great announcement it can make such a difference great thanks very much and akash the final word to you okay yeah sure really quickly i mean just on, on data i do think there's an opportunity for um for labor to build up uh, build on um off -log, the office of local government um maybe to make that into more independent entity of government something the ifg's recommended um and develop that more in partnership with local government to be a real kind of hub for learning about what works in devolution to inform local leaders and, and the public so i think that's an important area just finally on uh, fiscal devolution big question of course just would say i mean i know i understand politically why you know labor might not want to be uh, making kind of big commitments in that front, but there's a there's a there's a wide range of ways that you can get into uh, you you can you can um, do that. It doesn't have to be about new taxes or higher taxes. It can be about, of course, you know, assigning a share of local revenue 
to places so that there's the incentives to take decisions that boost growth if you keep some of the revenue. It also doesn't have to mean that, you know, richer areas just keep all their revenue. I mean, the way that it's happened in Scotland and Wales, the way it was recommended for London as well by the London Finance Commission is um, you'd keep the share of the growth of tax rates from a start a given starting point um so then yeah that the, the incentive is there to try and boost growth over time um but that you wouldn't immediately see london keep all the you know tens of billions it, it puts into the exchequer um so yeah i think that there are ways you can get into that and i think tom's done work on it for the ifg <laughs> uh, yeah that's right and i think Completely agree that it's not an easy question and not one that you can rush into. You'd want to do it carefully. Um, but I think, you know, Germany has still regional inequalities and manages to make it work with fiscal transfer. So it's not it's not um, impossible to, to do, but it does need to be thought about carefully. Uh, I'm afraid that brings us to the end today. We could have gone on for much longer discussing those questions. Thank you to Policy at Manchester for making uh, this event possible and to Andy for being on the panel. And thank you to all of my panellists. Um, the next event uh, from the IFG and what's been a big programme here is at four o'clock in this room. What should Keir Starmer's centre of government look like? Uh, so do come along to that one as well. Um, but please join me in thanking all of my panellists.